What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, and we're streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Uh, I'm Corey DLG, with me as always is little brother Nico. Oh man, we should rename the show to Horse Thug Radio, written just Ooh. like Comic Palooza. Ooh, it's the dad joke hour. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're here for it. <laughs> oh, man. It is uh, the day after Comic-Con, Comic-Con row. And uh, I'm horse as always after a con. <laughs> it's like, it's n- it never fails to impress me how quickly, like, literally talk for a living and you're still like, I don't know about this one, chief. I spent three days out. I can't speak to anyone anymore. Listen, my gift is my curse. What can I say? Is that even what that is? It is. I mean, yes. I don't know. I'm I'm just questioning everything right now. (laughs) This was um, this was one of our weirder weekends. That's for sure. Um, Oh yeah, that would interesting. I would definitely put on that list. Yep. There was uh there was just a lot, man. There was a lot. Uh man, I don't know how to I don't even know how to like unpack it all. It was um it was their first time, it was their first convention. Yep. Um Well let's start with the good things to get the ball. Okay, kind of okay, here. all right. Yeah, that's that's fair. There was good and there was uh I mean interesting complicated i don't know bad i don't know um what, what, what was some of your favorite moments uh definitely i mean some of the interviews i got were, were pretty interesting and like all the guests seemed you know relatively happy to be there as long as they were there mm, except one but we'll get into that oh yeah we'll get into that <laughs> but everyone um, all I, I mean i got to talk to pretty much everybody everyone was super nice yeah, Booker T was really nice. We escalated our feud now to a knife fight. Um, yeah, you keep calling me your second, and I, I told you it's like boxing. As soon as you're out, I'm throwing the towel in for you. Like, I don't know what you want from me. In a traditional duel, the second is always armed and ready to go. Mm. Get your know. stuff right. Get your stuff know. right. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting involved. He said his second was the rock. And so I said, well, we got this in the bag then. Second is to rock, <laughs> so I'm just doomed. I'm you doomed better win, to be Nico. You better win. Oh no. <laughs> um. Yeah. Listen. One thing is, and this is why we did this in the first place. Conroe deserves their own convention. Um. Yeah, they're they're a burgeoning like. Town. There were a lot of people there. There were a lot of people there. It was really it's it's really obvious how eager the community is to have one of these. They, they embraced it. Um, they were all about it. They they seemed to be Ex- excited to say the least. Yeah, I was gonna say like they wanted to have a good time no matter what. Right. And and they and they deserved it. Like, listen, the con itself didn't run all that great. But the people were really positive about it. So, like, that kind of, they paid their money and they were there to have a good time no matter what. 
Um, but yeah, it was um, it definitely it definitely got interesting. <laughs> it started interesting. I think Saturday was definitely I think the the biggest best day for sure. Just as any con is, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Because you know we'll still work on the Friday, and then you get the Saturday, and everyone's super hyped about it. And the Sunday, everyone's groggy, waking up at two p.m. <laughs> it definitely so. Friday was pretty poorly organized. I feel like um, a lot of things behind the scenes, which we didn't we didn't know about, definitely. For sure, um, the conversation is the the thing we were told is the the gentleman who organized the con. Uh, caught COVID and therefore will be unavailable for the entire convention. Right. Which is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, um, you know, I'm supposed to be running this whole thing. Uh, I'm dying. I'll see you guys next week. And he's like, well, we'll be over by next week. Uh, it sucks to be you. Yeah. Um, and he, he, all of my, all of our dealings had been directly with him. Very little other people in it, and so I can see where if he was the one dealing with everybody, even if with the best of intentions in his own head, he had it organized. The yeah. second he's not there 24 7, it's not gonna work. Yeah, have you ever tried to get a group together of like friends who aren't really friends with each other? And as soon as you leave, everything gets real awkward. It felt like that. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of did. It was sort of like uh, just an, an odd, odd situation, man. It was just weird. It was. Um, <laughs> like, we when I, I got there Friday, um, and at one point, we were supposed to have a table, and it was going to be on the floor in the convention hall mm-hmm. and then when I get there Friday and I'm talking to there's a woman kind of walking around organizing everything and I get to talking to her tell her who I am I'm not on any list that they have and they don't know who I am <laughs> and so then they have to call another person um See, and that... we're, we're coming back to the we're coming back to the I told everyone to be there. Then you didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. And so she calls another person. At the time, I thought it was the organizer. It turns out later, I, it wasn't because apparently they weren't even able to get the organizer on the phone that day. So I don't genuinely know who it was. But they knew who I was, thankfully. And um, like they were like, oh, yeah, we've got them a table out in the main hallway. <laughs> So we were like, they called people down a list until they heard your name again. And they were like, Corey, yeah, I know Corey. They were thinking like, of another guy entirely. Hey, I'll take it. They, they had us like the Walmart greeters outside. <laughs> we were the only thing that was in, that wasn't in a room. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Honestly, I kind of liked our position though because we got to people watch really hard, which is oh, a, a pastime of mine, which I am very fond of. We had to kind of see everything going on. Right. Kind of, we could see the panic on someone's eyes as they're figuring something out. It was good. Yeah. We, no. we were in a great spot for sure. 
we were in a great spot to to see everything pan out the way it did. It was great. I had fun. And there was a lot of odd stuff. Uh, like just kind of follow through the gaming room. Uh, didn't have the space that it was looking for, uh, I mean, or the signage. the The panel schedule, kind of. Well, it didn't exist on the first day. <laughs> it didn't exist on the second day either. I mean, it did like halfway through when it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Then they scheduled all the panels for Sunday. <laughs> yeah. It was, like I said, it was an interesting... Uh, would, you, would you say Friday or Sunday was smaller? Oh, Friday was smaller, for sure. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Sunday was still... Sunday was probably, like, 70-60% of Saturday. Um, just for the fourth three or four hours that we really that it was really moving yeah because because saturday was really honestly all things considered saturday was a good day (laughs) yeah saturday was a good day it was busy it was good foot traffic for a first time con they should be thrilled with saturday for sure yeah um makes me wonder like if it's worth for smaller conventions to be over one or two days instead of trying to do the full three yeah, if I was if I was running Com- Comic Con Conroe, I probably would just be do it two days. Yeah, I also don't know that I would have booked that many guests. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of guests, and some of them um, in our, in my interview with Keith Cook, he, I mean he's someone who doesn't even like. He's like, this is my kind of my first time doing stuff like this. Yeah, like some of them are odd choices, definitely for sure. Well, I mean, and like it was, I mean, it was smart. And I mean, he had some interesting, he had a little interesting story to tell about like the filming of Mortal Kombat and stuff. But, um, like, unfortunately, like, and the movie just came out. So, like, like, I understand the timing of it all. But, like, and I mean, I mean, I I shouldn't say that because there was one lady who was definitely like, I've been waiting to meet this person my entire life. (laughs) So. Who am I to judge? Yeah, listen, somebody's every someone is someone's favorite person, right? Like that always works out. Yeah, like um, I, like I said that immediate was like no, there. I mean, someone was but, like I was here for it, but they I'm are so excited for sure. Yeah, no, they're definitely in the minority here. Um, well, and just sort of the, I guess let's get into it. The sort of behind the scenes bad publicity of uh that kind of came up with it was the Houston Chronicle covered Comic Conroe and they did so by talking about the main guest Kevin Sorbo. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know that that's the main guest I would have headlined a con with. He doesn't see I, he doesn't have anything really really big kind of going on right now. Right. He feels like, I don't know, like top of a B-list, I guess. I would say middle, bottom of a B-list. Ooh. Well, just, I mean, listen, yes, he's still actively in things, but a lot of them are things that he's producing. Like, the casting process is probably a lot easier when you're making the movie. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's fair. (laughs) Did I get the part? Oh, yes. If you're going to be in... If you're gonna make your own movie, right? Like, 
I yeah. mean, that's that's a big enough endeavor as it is, let alone be an actor in it. And so it's a lot of, I mean, filmmaking's not easy. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. But I, it's also not like he's pushing himself to make, like, good movies. He's sort of... He okay, so I asked him about it, and basically I said, "So you basically found like a, a a new beginning, kind of in the Christian movie kind of kingdom, mm. and, and he calls it actor movies, where where really you can kind of feel good and and, and act in a movie again, and there's not a bunch of special effects and all that. So more grounded movies, basically, is what he's not something that's like super out there, but they are Christian movies." Basically, what happens? I think I think the connotation, like using like Christian movies or Christian music as like an inherent negative, is always not fair because it can still be good, right? Um, I mean, they could still be good. I don't think these necessarily are. I know, I know, God is not dead. Did really, really well. He was in that one. Um, Was he really? I didn't didn't know. I never watched. I never watched them. They're He's, I did. He's, I did see the band that wrote like the main song for it, though. Were they any good? I mean, I was entertained. That was the legendary drum spinner move. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. He was the atheist professor behind them. That is the. Oh, he sure the was. Now that you say that, my brain just put that together. All right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And like, he's the dad and soul surfer, like. He's really found his home in, in, in these Christian movies. And in and of itself, not a big deal. I don't care. Like, make your living, do your thing. Most of those movies, though, aren't good. They are low budget. Beat. They're in the same category as a lot of other, you know, other bad B movies. Bruce Willis makes like 15 movies a year, it looks like now. And most of them are also B movies. You know, that's that's fair. I never really, like, Whenever I hear the term B movie, I always think of like Mystery Science Theater, like nineteen thirties, like old sci fi. <laughs> like it doesn't occur to me that like we keep making them. Yeah, listen, we've never stopped. Like Right. <laughs> There's still B movies now. Like you've just thrown my whole life for a loop, Corey. Well, like the um Bruce Willis just debuted a new one on Netflix, Cosmic Sin. It's a it's a sci fi B movie for sure, right? And it's for the year twenty twenty one. In in the year twenty one twenty one, they're gonna be like, check out this B movie from a century ago. <laughs> Look at these lame special effects. It's not even in hologram form. Oh man, and they're not like that. Wasn't a great movie. Um, but yeah, no overall mystery I, science theater eight thousand. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so Kevin Sorbo. Uh, the Houston Chronicle basically hit him with a hammer. Uh, and they said Comic Conro. Uh, That's an aggressive that, stance. I, I, don't, I don't know how much I feel. I don't know how I feel about that. The headline for that was Comic Conro headlined by anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist. Um, Ooh. <laughs> they went yeah. all stops on it. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't. I don't actually know. Um, I did see some of the tweets. He he is 
or at least one at one time was against uh, the vaccine. I don't know if he still is. Um, I got to think if you make your money or part of your money going to conventions, you're right. You're probably going to get on the vaccine circuit. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works, man. Yeah, look. I mean, he's the one putting himself at risk. It's not us. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the. Uh, I don't know how old he is. Probably fifty plus years old. Well, that's really. That's also not true. That's. That's sort of the problem with the, the vaccine conversation too. Is like, yes, ultimately you're making a health choice for yourself. But the other problem is the more people who don't get vaccinated, the more the virus can no, I'm mutate saying, yeah. and change. I, I understand that. I'm, I'm, I'm more specifically talking about like he's not getting it and he's putting, he's more at risk than like a normal person would be because he, he is. is older. Yeah, no, that's true too. I don't think he realizes how old he is. He's definitely more at risk than others. But my, you know, the bigger problem is he does have a platform to speak from and yeah, I don't know. I mean, my personal wish is that everyone would get vaccinated. My, my issue is it's, I don't know that I want to be mad and punish people who feel like they're not sure, but if they're not sure what I wish would happen, is I wish they would go to credible, informed sources and find out instead mm-hmm. of doing nothing. Right. And I mean, like, I mean, that's that's our hope for, I think, most situations, right? Um, Cursory Google search on the old Facebook, usually not going to be the, uh, the most... Solid right. evidence we got here. Right, I found an article on the on Newsmax that says the vaccine gives you AIDS, and it's like, no, man, no, no, that's not no. that's that's not what that means. And I mean, social media is social media has done like its best job to be like, oh, look, you talk to your old buddy from high school, and it's like, well, just remember that they're crazy. <laughs> that is true. So Kevin Sorbo, he got. I, I don't know that that was the right guest. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, like, our interview was good with him. <laughs> we do a good, right, listen, we talked to him, uh, we're going to play the interview at the end of the show. We talked to him for a little bit, and, you know, he handles himself well in the interview. Um, I give him an opportunity to kind of talk about the criticisms of, of you know, he's been banned from Facebook. He they banned him from Facebook. That's what he said. I don't know if that's true or not. He said that because I, I, you know, I, I said, "Listen, I know you're you're a bit of um, I know you have a bit of bad publicity surrounding your social media presence." So I wanted to get. I said, "I want to give you the opportunity to kind of address it." Uh, and then I pushed. He, he said, "You know, we're so divided, et cetera, et cetera." The answers in there. And so then I, I pushed back a little and I said, um, is it that we're divided or is it that you don't like criticism? Like, is are you just uncomfortable with people disagreeing with you? And he he handled himself well, but, you know, the, the real politics of it. I mean, let's be clear. He kind of went full Devo on Common Conroe anyway, and he wasn't there Sunday. 
Um, it's your fault, Corey. You, you you drove Kevin Sorbo away. Yeah, I do the world a favor. Um, Aggressive stance. All right. Uh, listen, honestly, like, so not in the interview, but but while we were talking, he definitely came across as someone who. What he said to me, I, I said, hey, you know, pretty good foot traffic for, for this convention. And he said, oh, I don't know. This feels like a really light Sunday for me. Uh, and yeah, look, if you even, even Comic Palooza five years ago was a lot bigger, but it's the, probably one of the biggest conventions in all of Texas. Like, I don't yeah. know what he wants. He's in the middle of. He's in the middle of Conroe. There's nothing. There's not and a it's lot the out first there. Time, it's the first convention. First, first time convention in Conroe, pretty far from any super dense population. Coming off of a pandemic. Coming like off com- of a pandemic. Comic Palooza attendance was nowhere near what regular Comic Palooza attendance is. Yeah, Comic Palooza wasn't even three days. This con was longer than Comic Palooza was. Correct. Comic Palooza only used one and a half floors, like. It wasn't. It wasn't the you know, nothing's been the same yet so far. So for him to be so crappy about it, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of like warmth in my heart for him. Like, he didn't. Don't, he didn't don't handle have a, Don't have well. a lot of compassion for the old Sorbo. No, I don't feel like he handled himself well. The old Sorbet. <laughs> He kind of, he kind of came across to me as a guy who knows his best days are like his biggest days are behind him. I mean, a little bit bitter about it. I mean, that's what happens when you blow up early, right? It's like peaking in high school. I don't know if you need to be bitter about it though. Like he he was on one of the biggest shows. Tons of people are bitter about it. I, no, I, no, no, they, there are, but I mean, what happened to him is kind of cool. You know, he had one of the biggest TV shows ever, you know, as a, as a fairly youngish, newish actor to the whole thing. Uh, something interesting, I don't mean to cut you off here, but like, you say like Hercules was like one of the biggest shows at the time, but literally I had never, I didn't know about it until someone I watched on YouTube, like talked about it. Nico, what you don't know about what happened before you were born, we can just about squeeze into the Grand Canyon. You don't even watch movies. Right. But I mean, like, <laughs> I know popular culture. Like, I'm, it's not. around me enough that I, like, get some of it. Like, yes, I do hyperfixate. I know way more things about video games than anything else. It's actually from a video game where I know Kevin Sorbo. It's the Hercules video game. <laughs> On the N64. <laughs> okay, well, how about that? The TV show had a video game. Like, yeah. I mean, it was like it was like The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah. He spawned, yeah, his TV show was, I think he said 176 countries. That's probably true. That's, um, that's crazy to me. But it, there was a time when, like, Hercules uh, and then Xena were like, the biggest things on TV at that moment. TV events, if you will. It really was. 
I think they came on on like Thursdays or something like that, and you just you knew it was going to be huge. It was put it this way: the Sci-Fi Channel, like a couple of years after the shows went off the air, uh, started, ceased to exist. Started oh. airing the reruns, and they did a massive like ad campaign to tell everyone that they were going to be airing the reruns. And I think the reruns were some of like the most watched stuff on sci-fi at that time. Honestly, probably ever. The sci-fi channel hasn't really recovered. <laughs> there was a time when the sci-fi channel was a cool channel and then it kind of really... I don't. I never understood. Do they always do the weird why thing? Is there no? No, 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 no. For a long time, they were SCIFI, and then the correct spelling of sci-fi. Okay. There was there was like a rebrand, and then they were like SCIFY. Then I mean, it's just they've just done weird stuff over time. But uh, the Sci-Fi Channel does weird stuff. Never would have guessed. Well, the SYFY branding also came with the decision to like embrace like be moviedom. Yeah. That I do know because they, they do be making weird movies on the sci-fi channel. Yeah. Now they do like Atomic Ghost Shark and whatever, yeah. whatever. Freaking Mecha Shark versus Colossal Squid or whatever. <laughs> Sharktopus. Those are all real movies by the way. But like if I had been in the world's biggest show and then it ends one day and now I'm like 36 and back to being kind of a middling star. Dude, I, that'd have been, I'd have been fine with that. Like, Yeah, I mean, people have different versions of success, right? You can yeah, be happy gonna, with it. You're not going to peak over and over and over again. I mean, some people don't even get a career till later in their life anyways. For sure, but you definitely... <laughs> Danny Trejo was just at Comic Palooza, and it was literally like... He didn't start acting until he was like 40, 35, something like that. Right. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Like, and, But the important thing to remember is that you basically only peak once, right? Like, no matter what you're into, no matter what you do, very few people get second and third and fourth, like, bites mm-hmm. at, like, the major levels of success. Like, if you know, have man. a... If you're a platinum-selling artist, you're probably also not going to have, you know, three summers of the number one movies in the country. You know what I mean? Like, not unless you're Post Malone or Will Smith. Oh yeah, the millennium we're living in it. That's right. He's the only reason we went to Miami. No, um, but I just think I don't. I feel like he seems angry about that. I could be wrong. I Maybe. I met him for 20 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot of assumptions for the amount of time that you talk to him. But it definitely felt that way. Anyway, he he begged off of Sunday with a family emergency. And look, something might have happened. We don't know the full story, but it definitely feels sketchy. Uh, I, mean, I, can, I can say with confidence that I don't, I don't think it was a family emergency. I'm just it, trying to cover our bases, Corey. I know you are. <laughs> I'm trying to be the reasonable one. You're coming out here in Mach 11. Not Mach 11. I can I can call him out for four, but I won't. Um, but he didn't seem to be enjoying himself Saturday. Yeah. 
I mean, he did sell a lot of his disappointed shirts, which was very funny, by the way. Someone had to explain that joke to me later. I was trying to figure out. He sold out of them. He was down to his last one when I interviewed him. Yeah. It's just, it's just him standing in the thing, just, just yelling disappointed. It's very funny. I, I, when it was explained to me, I, I laughed, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, it's just a meme. It's pretty embarrassing. It's just a meme. <laughs> All right, Nico, tell our friends about The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is open at full operating hours with a fantastic store, wonderful staff, and events rolling up. I keep wanting to say, like, rolling back up like they haven't been here for literally ages. Yeah, they never went away, so you're going to... Well, I mean, they did for a minute there, but that was because everyone was. Right, yeah. (laughs) So... We're coming up up on the Monday. So, Miniature Monday is today. Ooh, fancy. So, get out there. uh, Paint, construct your minis. Ask the uh, associates for in-store paint and supplies. Tuesday should be the Dragon Ball tournament. Should be today, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. It might be the Digimon tournament. That's a five dollar entry at five forty five. Wednesday is the Yu Gi Oh trade and casual meetup. Uh, also on Wednesday, that's at five, and at six is the Flesh and Blood casual meetup, a new card game out of New Zealand. Thursday at 6 p.m. is Magic the Gathering Weekly Modern Meetups. Uh, Friday at 6 p.m. is the Star Wars X-Wing. Saturday, 2 p.m. is the Pokemon Meetup. At 6 p.m. is Warhammer time. They will have Warhammer. And also at 6 p.m. is more Magic time. That is Commander. Two days for Magic the Gathering there. Modern on Wednesdays and um, Commander on Saturday. Or I say uh, Thursday. One of the two. Uh, you literally have it in front of you and you don't know what you're reading. I, I, I started saying it and then I, I literally turned it off and then was like, oh, I totally missed the day. Thanks, guys. I'm a professional. <laughs> I do this well. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. begins. Comics, games, and more. Off of 1488. Fantastic store. All right, we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we've got all of our interviews from this weekend. We're going to play them for you. Um, And Nico's going to introduce them as we go. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to go gargle hot salt salt water, and uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Tiny horseman. Tiny horseman. All right, later, guys. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio right here at Comic Conroe, as we've been talking about. And we are hanging out with the guest of honor, uh, the legend himself, Hercules, Mr. Kevin Sorbo. Uh, uh, sir, how are you doing today? I'm doing great fine. How are you doing today? Uh, I've got no complaints. I get to do this nerdy stuff. This is, like, what I like to do. Um, so you've got one of, like, a crazy career. It kind of goes all over the place. You touch on a lot of, like, the fun nerd elements. Sure. What was probably your... Was Hercules just the most fun because it was Hercules? Yeah, I mean, I, without Hercules, I wouldn't have got anything else that really followed. You know, the success of that show was crazy. By season three, we became the most watched show in the world in 176 countries. And so at the end of the seventh year, I got a call from Major Rodmary and get to go into a franchise that I'm a huge fan of, the original Star Trek series. And 
got to play uh, Captain Dylan Hunt, which was the first captain Gene Roddenberry created after Captain Kirk. He wrote the series back in 1969. I actually did not know that. That is yeah. impressive. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, from Andromeda, it kind of you kind of go on to do a lot of like movies and such. Sure. And then now you've sort of evolved into like the father role in a lot of films. Mm. Is that is that a fun change or is it sort of like a well here we are or what is that? I think it's well here I am. I'm older now. So like, <laughs> like, all of a sudden I used to be like the younger guy in the movie set and I'm like the oldest guy in the movie set. So um, yeah, I mean it's just I think that's just a natural trend, you know, movement I guess and a road to go down if you want to keep a career going in the business. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of family friendly movies, but I, I mixed up a little bit. I mean, I did uh, I did I did a movie called Julia X where I played a serial killer. Which, oh, okay. which won an award at the Austin Film Festival. So, um, yeah, I, it, it really, I, I get sent scripts from my own production company. I left, I left Hollywood years ago in terms of working with them anymore. I don't have an agent or manager anymore. I've been doing things on my own through the oh, wow. Sorbos.org, Sorbos.org. Please go there and check it out. And uh, just doing a lot of my own things. I've got a movie in theaters now. I've got one coming out, two coming out over the next three months. I just finished the Reagan movie with Dennis Quaid. He he, I, he plays Reagan. I plays Pastor. Oh wow! I just did a pilot for Netflix called Pieces. It's a one-hour drama dealing with teenagers. I, I run a camp for troubled teens. Did a um, Fox. We shot eight episodes. Another series called The Pot Wins. It's kind of like Last Man Standing, Tim Allen sitcom. Oh okay. And I'm about to direct the next Left Behind book, which uh, I think they sold like 80 million copies of Left Behind, dealing with the rapture. I, I think you've kind of found that niche, it seems like, sort of in the, if I call it like Christian Hollywood, would that be okay? Yeah. Would that be a fair thing well, to call it? I like them family friendly because I don't want to, I don't want, some, some are sort of, I don't want to do in your face religion books, you know, religion movies. I want to do books, I mean, movies that have more of a positive message instead of a negative one. We have okay. enough hatred out to the way it is. I like to do movies that have have hope in them, maybe. Have laughter, have love, have make you cry, make you think, and have characters that you can relate to on a real basis. I love visual effects movies, too, like in Avengers and stuff, but I don't, I don't want to do FX movies. There's plenty of those out there. I want to do movies that made me want to be an actor in the first place. So a lot of things we talk about with Nerd Thug Radio is the concept, we call it breaking the wheel. We stole that from Game of Thrones, where it's always been kind of one way, and we want to try new ways and new different things. We're a little bit of outsiders ourselves. Talking about kind of going without an agent and a manager, when did you make that choice, and was that a hard choice? Um, not, not really, because I, I was ready to leave L.A. anyway. We live in Florida now. I just wanted a change, and I, I've shot the majority of my movies in Texas or further east. Nothing really shoots in California anymore. But uh, it, it wasn't, it was really just, I wanted to go start doing movies, like I said earlier, that just really, I call them actors' movies, where people can actually relate to what they're watching on screen. Okay. I can never be Hercules in real life. The guys who are the Avengers, you can't really be an Iron Man. You can't really That's be true. a Captain America. That's true. So I love that fantasy just like anybody else, but I want to do movies with real people and real-life stories. So what was the Hercules kind of, like, rise like? Did that, when it starts, does it feel like it's going to be, because, I mean, there was a time with USA, right, where it was, like, the biggest thing yeah. on, like, on television. Well, we became the most watched show in the world. I mean, yeah. 176 countries. I'll tell you, we had five tour movies to start. That's all it was going to be. By the third movie, I said to Michael Hurst, who played Eolus, I said, I got a feeling that they're yeah. going to make this a series. And he goes, you think so? I said, look at, we got beautiful women. We got mythology. We got great fight scenes that are funny. And the show had a lot. Yeah. We, we, we're like Gilligan's Island in a way. You know, we, <laughs> we, we wanted people to laugh with us, not laugh at us. And sure, sure enough, like a couple weeks later, Universal Studios called and said, you're staying. We're going to make a series. And by season three, 
boom, the explosion on the world took off. And I, I think it shocked us all when we became the most watched show in the world, yeah. Kind of, and it was like, for TV, especially at that time, big budget, uh, a lot yeah. of special effects. Yeah. Um, did it ever feel like, like, this is such a weird, like, were we supposed to be here? Well, he, here's the thing. I, there was nothing like that on TV. And by season three, um, everybody started copying us. Not, not only did we spin off Xena, because the universe, that's kind of like a female Hercules thing. But that same year, Sinbad, Robin Hood, Tarzan, oh, Conan. I forgot all about these. Oh, yeah, Sheena. <laughs> of the jungle where yeah. all these other shows came out to copy what we were doing. So, yeah, it was kind of, it was interesting. So, at, at that point, like, as you're driving around, like, Hollywood and stuff, do you kind of feel like, like, you're the bet, you're like, you're the big guy? Like, I'll tell you what, I'm in New Zealand. I wasn't in Hollywood. Oh, we shot down man. there. So, I didn't even know. I mean, I know I started getting invites to a lot of uh, red carpet events, movie theater openings, uh, Hugh Hefter's Playmate, Playmate Mansion. Is that, is that the I real sign? Go. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you, do you call him now? And, oh, well, not now, now. No, but, no. Yeah, but did you call him afterwards? Like, hey, can I come by now? Yeah, I, I should have said that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm in New Zealand 10 months out of the year, so I couldn't really... Oh, I didn't feel the Hollywood pole, which is fine by me. I mean, I started getting invited to certain things, but... But it is nice to kind of be in the oh, middle it, of it. It was kind of cool. I mean, I, I mean I'd, I'd be home for a couple months each year, so I did a couple of premieres where they have all these A-list guys there and stuff, from Tom Hanks to Sean Penn and stuff. That was kind of cool. That is a neat moment. Yeah, yeah sure. So, now you're kind of in a comfortable place where you're kind of picking and choosing yeah. kind of how it goes from here. What's, what's sort of the wind down, or is there one? Is this just the next 25 years of kind of I'm, these sort of things? I hope I keep on working and working. I love doing what I'm doing. Um, I've got, uh, I just, I grabbed two other movies besides the Reagan one, the two pilots I mentioned about, the TV series. I've got uh, three movies lined up this year. I've got a movie with Dean Cain I'm shooting in February. So uh, I'm, I'm not slowing down. I mean, I, I love doing, doing what I'm doing. So I do want to give you the opportunity to kind of make a comment to people just totally on whatever you want to say about how it kind of gets played out in the media of the characterization of some comments or things like Dean Cain and things like that. I know there's a conversation about cancel culture going on. Do you want, how, what, what do you want to say about it? So I want to give you that chance to say something. I think it's ridiculous what we're doing to each other right now. There's hate and there's anger out there. The people are going to have the power over my career by saying, oh, we don't want them to show up at that comic con. This is crazy. You know, why can't we have different opinions? I don't mind if someone has a completely opposite opinion of me, whether it's religious, whether it's uh, political, whether, whatever the heck it is. I don't harbor that kind of anger and hatred. I can post on Twitter. Facebook took me down. And all I was doing was I was posting truth. I was posting facts. Oh, you can't say that. I go, well, why can't we have an, an opposing point of view? I said, these are what all these guys are saying about this. Or these are what these professionals are saying about that. What do you guys think? And it, they, they t- all of a sudden take me down. I can, on Twitter, I can post, have a beautiful day, and people say, I hope you die. I mean, it's the weirdest thing out there right now. I don't, I don't understand that I have these trolls that all they want to do is attack me everything they say. So if I did a psychological profile on these people, I swear to God, these people don't like themselves. If I don't have jobs, if they do don't like them, if they don't like their relationships, or maybe they don't have one. Okay? I mean, really, I, I, I'm, and all I can say is these are people look in the mirror and hate who they are as individuals, and that makes me sad. And I hope someday they find uh, a way to like themselves and maybe not worry about misery loves company because I'm not going to join them in their misery. I definitely, listen, we're radio. We get our fair share of the emails and the hate and all sure. the sorts of same things. But I also wonder, is there an element of, like, is there an okay amount of pushback? Or, or do you feel like, like, where do you kind of rate, like, criticism between 
each of those aspects of it? Is it just, like, do you only have a problem with people who go too far, or can the conversation sometimes oh, be look, a problem? I, I'm, I'm all for freedom of speech. If their freedom of speech is hatred, then I feel sorry for them. You know, you can, it, it, that to me is like, it's gotten, gotten to the point now that it's just crazy that we got people walking down the streets and throwing bricks and tire irons into people's businesses and destroying people's lives, and we're letting governors and local mayors allow people to do that. I don't get that. I don't understand that at all. And you would say that on both sides, right? Oh just my, to be clear, just so you yeah, don't... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it's insane that we're doing what we're doing right now to the world, and it's just sad to me, and I'm hoping that one day we can find a way to bridge that divide, but the divide to me seems getting wider and wider. There we go. We're in Conroe healing people's hearts and minds with Kevin Sorbo, hanging out all weekend. Uh, I do want to thank you for your time, and Have a great no con. Problem. I hope the rest of it goes well right. for you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Nico DLG with Nerd Thug Radio here out here in Conroe, here at Comic Conroe. We're with, uh, Sef- how do you say your last name? I Nadalny. Wanna- Nadalny. <laughs> Voice of Gohan and Kid Goku. How yeah, are you doing? I'm great. I'm just hungry, as usual. <laughs> Oh man, hearing that for the first time in person really trips me out. This fight, this interview is meaningless. Ah! Man, I absolutely, you know, I grew up with Dragon Ball. It was like my my childhood thing. Uh, I played like every video game. And one thing that you said earlier when we were just talking before this interview uh, was that you, you did everything out of order. Yes. So why did you guys start at like episode 50? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, honestly, don't know really why, being that I had just been introduced to the anime world through getting cast as Kid Gohan in the Ginyu Saga. And, you know, the, the company was so much smaller. This was 20 plus years ago. And so, you know, we were only working on a little bit at a time. We had one sound booth, one director, maybe two directors that would switch off. And then we had the ADR technology part of it. So... You know, things were moving slower back then. Uh, technology was slower. We were having to fast forward, rewind, you know, and things like that. So um, I think what happened was is the popularity was already really big in Japan, and we were dubbing it in English, and so it just became bigger and bigger, and it just got crazy. And so after it, the success kept getting, you know, bigger and bigger, the directors and the company said, hey, you know what? We want all the same voice actors for the same property. So after we finished Dragon Ball Z, we went back to episode one and did one through 54. So that's why we did that. So that we could get one through all the way to 200 plus episodes, all with the same voice casts. And then from then on, you know, we ended up with uh, two booths, three booths at one time. Uh, and then we were able to acquire Dragon Ball, and I was thankfully cast as Goku, little kid Goku, yay! And then East Kai, East Kai, oh my! And then Dragon Ball GT came along, and then at the same time they were acquiring Yu Yu Hakusho. I was doing some uh, singing for some of the Japanese themes that were translated into English. I was helping produce some of those. A lot of people don't realize I did some of that. That was a lot of fun because I'm a singer. I started out singing before I voice acted. Wow! Uh, as a kid, I was a mimic and just did it for fun, but. Yeah, so then um, Blue Gender and some of the other properties, case closed, um, they were all being acquired. The company was growing. Next thing you know, we have three booths uh, staffed by three different directors and ADR technicians at one time, Monday through Friday. So now it's completely crazy big. Um, Sony bought it. I'm not even working there right now. I don't even know how to get back in the door. It's just grown so fast. And, right. Yeah. So that's kind of how they have a little bit more respect for the old bloods. You were there when it I started. Know. Well, they're, you know, I, the door's open and, um, and my court so hopefully things you know things will allow that uh, possibilities to occur i would really like to get back into it i definitely miss it 
Yeah. But these these conventions are great. I get to get face to face with the fans in the trenches, sign autographs, talk about the show. They have questions, panels. It's fun. Yeah. I like to travel. So now that we're kind of doing these in person again, um, fingers crossed it doesn't get worse again with the pandemic. But uh, this is actually my the, the best part of what I do, what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Aside from the voice acting and actually performing is getting out in front of the fans. Hearing their stories about growing up or uh, maybe my character or voice work helped them get through I mean, tough even times. even seeing like you on OKKO was a little bit of a trip. Yeah. It was, it was such a, I loved that show. It was, it, it was, was such, so quirky. It was, show, it was so short-lived, but so like, like it's like a perfect little package as yeah. it is. It had a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to, to voice, it was literally almost the same voice as Goku. The creator yeah. was a big fan. Sought me out. Hey, I'm in Dallas. Did some stuff across the internet and then I did get to go to LA a couple times and record with the rest of the cast wow, and that was really that's really fun really really cool yeah okay KO yeah. I love that show it let's was... be heroes <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much I really appreciate your time yeah Anytime. hey guys it's Nico DLG with Nerd Thug Radio here with Keith Cook Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat how you doing uh, good how are you doing I'm doing well how's the con going so far uh, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, this is I'm new to this, so I had a good time. You tell me you don't you don't roll out telling your, telling everyone you're Sub Zero. <laughs> well, I was actually Reptile in the first movie, oh, okay. and then Sub Zero in the second movie. All right, I mean, you got two. You're already two of the ninjas. I mean, <laughs> look, if you're going by colors, you're you're obviously better than everyone else, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm glad you get it. <laughs> Everyone has... It's just a color thing at this point, right? Like, yeah. It's just whoever, whichever one you like more. So uh, what was your experience on, like, the set of Mortal, of Mortal Kombat and the first and second ones? Well, the first one was great. They, they built some sets in uh, at the Van Nuys Airport in big airplane hangars. And the whole movie had already been shot, the, the first movie. Mm-hmm. And they decided they needed a couple more action sequences. So and that's like- when Robin, uh, Robin Shu, who played uh, Liu Kang called me up and said, hey, Keith, I need to do another fight. Will you come fight me? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. A, that's an amazing kind of like, so you, you weren't even like, they were like, oh, we just need more people in. So Yeah, it was after, after the fact. After the fact, wow. That's... But then they did a, you know, like a, a good six-day shoot for that. So I mean, it, was, it was pretty cool. Really that's nice awesome. sets. And then Mortal Kombat 2 we shot in, in London. And... Uh, I was helping out uh, with all the rehearsals and working with the stunt team a lot and and doing that fight. And so, pretty cool. Was that your first, like, acting experience? Uh, no, I was in, uh, you know, China O'Brien 1, China O'Brien 2, King of the Kickboxers, Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, there was, there was uh, quite a bit of stuff before that, yeah. All right, all right. What was, like, what would you say is, like, oh, like a highlight moment of your career? Well, one of them was, was King of the Kickboxers because I got, I got to work with Corey Ewan. He, he came in and he, the, the fight that I did in that, I'm really proud of it. It was the only fight that he, he uh, uh, directed in the whole movie. Oh, wow. And so uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. And, oh, that's, that's so awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I'll let you get back to your, your con experience. I appreciate the end time, and uh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm here at Comic Conroe with a uh, very esteemed guest, Chris Casamasa, right here. 
at Comic Conroe. So, uh, how you, how you living? How's the con so far? Uh, the con's been really good. A uh, bunch of great fans here turning out, and uh, it's been great to meet everyone. That's fantastic. So, obviously, Mortal Kombat, the big movie. Uh, what was your experience to, like, the property, like, as, like, the movie was starting up? Uh, it was great, actually. I went through the audition process and uh, had some uh, obstacles to overcome with that because they told us when we went in that all the roles were cast and uh, ended up uh, going in as a background fighter. But because of what I did and how I did it, I guess I caught somebody's eye. And so I ended up as the role of Scorpion. So it was kind of kind of exciting. I mean, he's like the titular, like, he's the face of Mortal Kombat. And, like, so they really told you that they, they were just, like, booked out and you were just going to be this background fighter. And then and then all of a sudden you just land this amazing role. So, like, what was your, what was your like, process of, like, thought of mind behind it all? Well, actually, I was a big fan of the game. So when they were getting ready to film the movie, my two favorite characters were Raiden and Scorpion in that order. Nowadays, it's Scorpion, then Raiden. But uh, back then it was... But when I got the gig, I really wanted to do justice to the moves of the character. And since I was very familiar with a lot of his moves, um, I wanted that to come out on screen. Yeah, yeah. Especially because of uh, the, the style of Mortal Kombat that, like, kind of... Because it was the... Because there's real actors in it, obviously. So, like, were you... So, what was your starting out point? Like, like how did you get introduced to the game? Because you said you're a huge fan of it. Yeah, you know, just from arcades. You know, I was young, like everybody at one point. So, uh, back in my day, we went to an arcade to play video games. We didn't have consoles at home. So, that's where I first found out about uh, Mortal Kombat. Okay, okay. It was, a pretty, it was a pretty big deal at the time, I assume. <laughs> yes, very big. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's stayed around for however many years, and it's still around. How, like, what are your involved, like... Are you still play the games now, or are you are you still in the, just as big a fan as you were when you back then? Yeah, I really am still a big fan, and uh, I don't uh, I don't go play the games now. Obviously, we've got the the Xbox and the PlayStation, so we can play them right on that. But uh, keeps me very busy. My son and I actually play all the time, but he kills me. I used to be able to wipe him out, but now he's better than me. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the uh, younger generation is a little bit better at playing video games. Yeah, no kids getting old. <laughs> so, uh, you know, was this like? your only big movie or did you do others do you ever do a, go into further acting careers yeah actually I'm still acting to this day getting ready to do a film with uh, Jason David Frank called oh. Legend of the White Dragon Fantastic. Um, of course after Mortal Kombat I did Blade with Wesley Snipes uh, Walker Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then I actually got to wear the bat suit and be Batman in the Batman and Robin film with George Clooney and Arnold Schwarzenegger Oh, wow. Okay, wow. All right. So what was your probably, like, what's your, like, favorite film experience or, like, your acting experience? Well, without a doubt, Mortal Kombat was my favorite film because <laughs> that really springboarded me into all the other stuff. But I got to tell you, it was really cool to be able to wear the Batsuit. Like, I'm one of maybe 20 people in the world that's ever actually got to wear the actual Batsuit uh, and to do stuff in it. So that was a really cool experience. Yeah, that's got to be an absolutely amazing thing. Uh, so what other, what other, I think, so you say you're coming up on a Legend of the White Dragon. Yep. So if you want to talk more about it, like, like the plot or like your role in it? I could tell you all about it, but I would have to kill you. So that's not going to oh, happen. Unfortunate, unfortunate. Well, guys, this has been a great interview. Uh, I will no longer, I will cease to exist. I appreciate <laughs> your time. Thank you so much. Thank you.